electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Wednesday morning and welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm David Faber with Jim Cramer. We're live from Post 9 at the New York Stock Exchange. Call has the morning off. Future's looking uh, like we're going to have a lower open. Uh, of course, 2 o'clock, Fed meeting. Can't forget that. And an awful lot of earnings to digest this morning. That's where our roadmap starts. Alphabet and Microsoft, yep, the two of the biggest giants out there. Uh, they have earnings. Stocks moving in opposite directions. Jim and I will break that down. Plus, we do have Boeing shares higher. That on its better, better than expected earnings. And da- Dave Calhoun comes Sharply CEO. better. Sharply Dave. better. Sharply. Uh, Dave Calhoun is going to join us a few minutes from now to talk about the quarter. And the road ahead, of course. We're also going to look, speaking of the road ahead, uh, to the Fed. Expected to hike interest rates this afternoon following what was that pause. All right, let's start with Alphabet and Microsoft. Jim, I know you've obviously been working on this ever since they reported those numbers. Yes. Uh, I got a bunch of stuff here as well. Just just start us off. Where are you thinking? First of all, uh, Alphabet was extraordinary because search was so good. I know people said cloud was good. It was good, but remember, it's off a small base. Uh, what I think that really happened was this was the quarter where YouTube, which has no traffic acquisition costs, became the principal method for a lot of companies to be able to reach young people around the globe. I think that's the major takeaway. Uh, a $7.7 billion in revenues, and it inflected positively. It inflected positive, and I've been which, waiting for And that. it's been going the other way. Right. Just to put it in perspective, by the way, at a $7.7 billion quarter revenue run rate, it's one of the biggest media companies out there no. where you just... Right. have it on its own. And I think there's a roadmap which says it's going to be the biggest. I mean, if you talk to a, a James Quincy from uh, Coca-Cola, I mean, this is how people are reaching people because you can tailor it. It's a remarkable medium, and this is before they, get, they really put in anything about the NFL ticket. Uh, search was extraordinary. Yes, we don't want Ruth to leave a CFO, but she's going to stay as president. She's going to look at investments. Ruth, Ruth Porat, who's extraordinary. Ruth Porat, 14-year CFO, yeah. now becoming and, and president brilliant. and also chief investment yeah. officer you, overseeing things right. like Waymo. Smart, read the obituary of her father and you will discover a great man. Truly unbelievable man. Um, I liked everything I heard. But by the way, there's also a belief that a new CFO will be there. You know, obviously, I'm talking to shareholders who are hopeful, more focused on costs. Even. Exactly. That's the, that's the well, hope. Okay, so there was a decline in costs while there was acceleration in search, but she did say that that was kind of one-off. But people are not regarding as one-off. They, they did take out a big headcount in, in a rip. Their operating margin uh, at Alphabet was 29%. Yeah. That's a nice margin. Yes, it is. Um, and again, sort of they have great leverage with that margin. 28% uh, bumping Great cloud. operating leverage. Um, uh, it was a great quarter. And they didn't lose share in search. Now, it's early. It's yes. really early. But I guess some of us have been wondering, well, will you start to see some signs of Bing, Microsoft's right. product incursion, as a result, of course, of its incorporation of ChatGPT, essentially. Right. No real sign. No, uh, it actually went the other way. But I thought what was interesting was that they spent more time talking about artificial intelligence than Microsoft did. Now, the one I want to disagree with the market entirely is the direction of Microsoft. Now, the okay. stock was back at 352. 
uh, which was up nicely, up a couple, but up seven from where it was yesterday. When Amy Hood, one of my absolute favorite CFOs, I've known her from when she was at Goldman Sachs. So she's now someone I regard as, a, as maybe the steadiest of CFOs. We're, we're talking about 30 years. She is not uh, anyone who ever makes you feel better. She took the stock from 352 to 338 simply by making some comments that basically were, look, we have to spend a lot more on, on generative AI. CapEx is going to go up every quarter sequentially and that, this that year. The stock. But she only and by gave, the way, we are talking about CapEx that is already, where are we, seven? I mean, yeah, no, numbers it, it's are big. But the stock is wrong. The stock is mispriced because growth, now there's many headlines that are wrong. Growth actually accelerated Azure. Uh, we don't have the Activision Blizzard deal yet. LinkedIn was good. They did call a bottom in personal computers. Uh, she did only give a one-quarter Wait, estimate Azure, guide. Azure, you're, it, it's good. Yeah, people just are totally misinterpreting well, Azure. Why? Right? I mean, I didn't think because it went. Because 24, 25. It's like, fine. Mm-hmm. Where, where the big miss here is is that there was a, a product, uh, this uh, Microsoft 365, the Copilot product, okay? And she raised number, they raised price for that product dramatically. That is your AI product. And that price increase was not included in her estimate guide. So people are buying this the wrong way. They have not researched the way Amy Hood. I've been a follower of Amy Hood since, I guess, I don't know, 91. Right. And this is her style. Her style is always to use uh, what happened at about 6.05, and they started to call it uh, the forecast as the fulcrum of why people should do what they do. And it's almost always incorrect because she's a conservative individual. So Microsoft down 12, I think, is the best opportunity of this one. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, I've had more enthusiasm shared with me about Google's quarter than Microsoft's. That said, the commentary I've gotten from a couple holders is it's fine and still best positioned. Okay. Is the feeling for best Microsoft. Position, yes, it is best position. Um, it, and they really, I mean, there's a moment in the comps call where they basically admitted that you could get 45 to 50% increase in productivity from, from, uh, from code people. And Asadi uh, talked repeatedly about low code, no code, and how important it is. The number of clients that they brought in off this is so staggering. The idea that Amy, again, Amy Hood, that she could actually say those things about it entirely remember the talk, right. stock just plummeted when she gave a forecast. That forecast was a conservative forecast. And as much as I think that Amy's great, Amy put the big kibosh on the stock that was climbing. Uh, final, uh, not final thought, I should say, but I want to go somewhere very quickly because we've got to get to Boeing. They're both increasing CapEx enormously. The one beneficiary here truly. Is NVIDIA. Yeah, that was the call, right? right? That's, I mean, that's really, that's the no, it, main takeaway. It, it verified the $4 billion uh, revenue forecast that Jensen Wong gave. It may be, and that may prove to be conservative. Um, we want to talk more about their AI ambitions of both Microsoft uh, and Alphabet, but yeah. we, we got to get to Boeing They're right as now. hot. Microsoft is, is as hot as if I lit a match that polyester suit uh, jacket oh you were. Oh, God, again. Polyester. Well, you, I think you should scrap it. Armani's G-Line. Oh, my God, that's so flammable. It's Harmony's team. Lisa's, Lisa's got no asbestos. Come on, A, B, C, Can we go D, to Phil, e, F. There's Can so many lines Phil? that come before the G line. I made my point. Can we go to Phil? Yes. By the way, tighten your tie. It's a brownie, got there. Let's turn to another big earnings mover. Phil Lebeau has that for us. He's uh, in Arlington, Virginia, and uh, he's with Dave Calhoun of Boeing. Phil. Who's getting a chuckle or two out of you two today? A nice routine you got going there. Dave Calhoun, CEO of Boeing, yep. joining us on a day where, look, better than expected earnings, a narrower than expected loss. Yep. 
Revenue better than expected, but the free cash flow is what I want to talk about. Yep. What, two and a half billion? The street was expecting about 114 million. Yep. What did analysts not appreciate about the quarter that had their estimates so low compared to what you delivered? Well, it's a reflection of the strong demand market that we've been talking about for quite some time. Uh, everybody will recall we had a big order with Air India that needed to get uh, finalized, uh, Riyadh Air, uh, the Saudi Kingdom. Um, and then Ryanair even are all deals that were finalized in the, in the quarter and the advance payments that come with them are what show up. We can't time those perfectly and we can't predict when they'll be, but somewhere between the second and the third, they were going to happen and, and, and it's happened. Let's talk about the 737 MAX. One of your announcements this morning is you're transitioning. It was 31 a month. You're in the process of going up to 38 a month. That reflects your confidence in the supply chain. How much more stable is it now than, let's say, a year ago? Yeah, it's settling down. There's no doubt. Um, we announced our intention to get to 38. We're actually a little ahead of our plan to get to 38. The master schedule related to that increase, and not only that increase, but the increase to 50 later on in our uh, horizon here, that master schedule's been out there. So suppliers have been working diligently to sort of settle down, eliminate the constraints, and slowly and steadily we're seeing fewer and fewer uh, delivery constraints. So I'm feeling pretty good about where this, where this is going. You mentioned the orders, number of huge ones in the second quarter. And that has a number of people saying, well, the demand is played out. We've seen the big orders now. It'll be a more normal market in terms of orders. You don't think that's the case, do you? You think there's more big ones out there, right? Yeah, don't hold your breath. I mean, I, there are big orders out there. Um, a lot of sovereign interests. Um, I don't talk about it often, but the quality of the backlog has never been better. Never. And explain that. That means these are people who are going to follow through on these orders. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, think about Air India, underwritten by the Tata Group, one of the strongest companies in the world. Uh, airport development going at a, at a pace that we've never seen in India. The Kingdom of Saudi Arabia wants to be a destination. And when they want to be a destination, they will be one. They are developing airports, creating new airlines, placing orders. Um, and yes, these advanced payments reflect the seriousness with which they're going to approach it. So it is, it is those and it is many more to come. So, yeah, it is, a, it is a pretty constrained world out there with respect to the demand that we see. Dave, Jim's got a question for you. Jim, go ahead. Yeah, Dave, you know, before the big fracas, the Boeing stock was at about 378. And what I thought happened was that there just became this giant parking lot of planes that were just wouldn't be able to be worked off for ages. I'm looking at what you're doing, and I'm thinking that there's a definitive free cash flow breakout, much bigger than now uh, at 2024, and that you may be one of the biggest free cash flow stories in the world, including tech, after 2024. Well, Jim, I mean, that, that, that is uh, and a very important point, a very important message. Uh, we started uh, the post-max world with 450 airplanes that needed to be returned to service. A lot of work goes into every one of those airplanes. We deliver them one at a time. The reliability of those airplanes as they've entered uh, service has been fantastic. So we're on a pretty good run there. And yes, by the end of 24, we're almost completely out of the 737 MAX uh, inventory overhang. And we're almost completely out, if not totally out, of the 787 joint verification work that we have going that we have going on in that program. So, yeah, that 24 moment is a big one. We get to eliminate shadow factories, and yes, the uh, I think the the uh, model that we enjoyed before COVID and before the Max issue that will become very apparent to everybody. 
obviously you know planes much better than I do. I know stocks, and I think that 2019 uh, number is going to be behind you when I think about the fact that your supply chain issues seem to be resolved. I know from what happened with Raytheon yesterday, you can RTX, you can never just declare it. And that's not you, by the way. But it seems like all the supply chain issues that had dodged you, including the number of engineers that you need yourself, are also now, pay, now behind you. And that therefore, again, earnings per share can increase dramatically. Yeah, without a doubt. It's, it's, everything is just settling down. That's the word I would like to use. Um, there's no big dearth or, of engineering talent. Um, the training of the new talent that has been recruited to the supply chain side of our house, as well as our own, that's been moving along at a steady pace. As I said, it's just starting to, to, to settle down, and I'm, I'm feeling more and more comfortable that we're going to get ahead of it. We can't rush it. We've got to be disciplined every step of the way, and we are. Um, Dave, when you look at, you mentioned these large orders are out there and the quality of the backlog. One of the things that struck me is you don't have a lot of leasing companies placing large orders. At what point, and they know the industry, what point do you expect them to say, whoa, 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 we, we got to get in line here or we're going to be boxed out further in the decade than we need to be? Yeah, well, it's, I mean, that is, you sort of answered your, your own question. Um, they will ultimately have to get in line and they will, they will want to place orders because their growth is dependent on more airplanes. They will feed a little bit on the residual markets and the older airplanes that get retired or almost retired. They'll feed on that a bit, but eventually they will, they will want to buy new airplanes. They're smart about their timing, so if there ever is a precipice, and I don't see one, I don't see one for quite a long time, but if there ever is, that's when they'll probably want to flood in and, uh, and rebuild, rebuild their fleets. And with the Dreamliner, you're at four a month right now, going to five by the end of this year. Yep. On track for that 10? By 25, 26, 10 yeah, per month? Yes, I think we are. It, it will not be uh, a, a demand issue. It will simply be, can this steady improvement in our supply chain continue to get, to get us there? And I think it will. I have to ask you, it's Fed Day. And, and we know that the expectation is they may raise an interest uh, a quarter point. Um, when you look at this market right now, we were talking beforehand. Um, are you to the point now where you're like, I wasn't sure this was going to continue, but what do you think now? Yeah, I, the resiliency of this uh, recovery um, uh, and the growth and the, uh, the prices that consumers pay to fly on airplanes, particularly across the, across the oceans, um, it's pretty remarkable. And there is no sign of it going away. Uh, so my own view is that um, quarter point moves probably aren't going to slow things down much. The consumers have a lot deeper pockets than most people think. I also think travel has been reprioritized on the list of things that are to, that were, where they have uh, uh, discrimination. They are definitely prioritizing travel uh, in, that, in that list of things they want to do. Dave Calhoun, yep. Yep. CEO of Boeing, on a day where better than expected report, guys, for the second quarter. We'll send it back to you. We're going to get some popcorn and watch your ring tune as you talk about each other's wardrobe. So <laughs> <laughs> we do that every day. It's not flammable. Yeah, by today the way. seems to be a particularly big day. It does. It <laughs> does. It does. It's, it's, it's not like we don't have news to get to, of course, including what you guys just shared. Yeah, I think it was a fabulous um, interview. Thank you, Phil. I and just thank want you, to Dave. say, you this bet. reminded me of the old days when Phil would interview Boeing when the stock was in the, going to the 300s because it's now just a story of meeting the incredible demand 
uh, work off that inventory that have been on the parking lots. And wide body is very, very good for them. So I think that we either, at one point I thought that Boeing would have to do a equity offering because they have so much debt. That had been the overhang. I don't know if they need to do it. This was just a straight up good quarter. And the stock's going generating to head much higher. Generating that free cash flow. stock's going to head much higher than just $8. Uh, it's funny. Just, it does take me back to that period during, uh, you know, in, uh, in the spring of 2020, though, where they managed to do that enormous debt deal that did change that was the psychology that, a lot. That was the Mnuchin Suddenly we're like, deal. okay, everybody's going to be okay. He worked very closely uh, what, with Greg Smith. Now, what, what yeah. I do love, let's go back over this. This is a free cash flow generator like no other, including an alphabet. And yes, including Microsoft. Stock goes much higher. Still to come, we're going to look ahead to the Fed. Of course, Phil was asking about that uh, at the end of the uh, interview as investors are preparing for another 25 basis points. Let's give you a look at uh, futures. We get started with trading here at the New York Stock Exchange 14 minutes from now. A lot more earnings to cover here on Squawk on the Street right after this. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with P. Jim, a leading global asset manager. Still to come, the Atlanta Braves splitting off from Liberty Media, becoming the only publicly traded franchise in baseball. And yesterday, you watching this? There it is. Team completed the first eight, three, five. It's eight to three to five. Triple play since 1884. Yeah, watch it again. One, two, there's, and there's. Is that why the stock's trading high? No. No, okay. Well, we're going to talk to the CEO of the Braves later this hour. Let's give another check on some of today's big earnings movers as well. No, we I watch that. Earnings mover that you couldn't play. All right, I'm looking forward to your surprise earnings mover. Alphabet, obviously the standout in the positive territory. We haven't talked Snap yet, but we will. Surprised AT&T is unchanged. Uh, Why? It was all came, about free cash flow. They, trying to keep the dividend. They came through with 4.2 billion in free cash flow. No, well, please, it's, it's cut, cut, cut. We're back after this. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills.
Let's turn to the broader markets. Investors bracing for another likely rate hike. In fact, I'd be quite a surprise if we didn't get 25 basis points, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, of course, we could get 50. That would be a surprise, that would, too. That would be a surprise. <laughs> but look, Jay Powell's a telegram. It's yes. very interesting. They had some numbers this morning on Frank Collins' show, which says that the actual very little movement after he speaks. Well, that's exactly what you aim for if you're a Fed Reserve Chair. But you talk about the press conference. You actually have encouraged him to stop doing it. Well, I think he should um, because... But the, that's where we get a lot more commentary that could move the market, But having Jim. been a, a former reporter who only tried to make people look bad because that was my job, I was called a hatchet man, I would find a question that would make it so that he would stumble uh, and make him look bad because that was my role in life. And I've since graduated to be much more like God. Yes, I don't think people would call you a hatchet man any longer. No, no, the no. Dalai Lama's got some very interesting comments. And also a guy named Jack Kornfield. I've been listening to him. Yes, you've told me about Jack. Well, because I think he talks about Buddhism, and that's something I've got, uh, I'm trying to adopt. Speaking of the economy, let's come back to some earnings. Uh, LVMH caught my eye, and I know you US follow the bad, company. China close. good. Thank you. you uh, LVMH, the giant luxury retailer that has helped make Bernard Arnault very close to, if not the richest man in the world at one any one is. point or time, depending on where Tesla's stock and price depending is. Depending on how Twitter X is more. Or to X is doing. Not today, though, given a 5% decline potentially in uh, is at least his ownership stake there. Um, what's funny, Jim, is is it a reflection of the top end of the U.S. consumer? They're not buying cognac anymore, apparently. And it was the U.S. and not China where we would have expected perhaps things would have been weaker. There's a cut, that, yes. That contributed to a, 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 a number that was not as good as expected. People are shying away for premiumization. Now, the other day, Robert Frank had a really fantastic piece, buried, buried, about the decline in high-end auctions. I mean, really staggering. There is a high-end strike, which I've not been able to figure out. Why are the people who are really wealthy in this country not spending as they used to? We don't have an analysis, but it's worth looking because what's keeping up spending is the lower end, is our younger consumers. So yeah, they also really did talk point. about in the quarter, you know, it's the entry level buyer for a luxury item right. that may not be there right well, now. Why aren't we talking more about how China's coming back? Because China's been disastrous. That was surprising. Yeah, and don't, don't forget Alibaba. Ever since they decided to spin off their uh, web business, yeah, it's fantastic. Stop. We are. We have to stay close to the idea that China may actually have a bottom here. Right? It's much very hard to believe. All right, get ready. You got a mad dash coming up. Oh my God, my mad dash is blowout. All right, it's blowout. We're back in two. Welcome back. Let's get to a mad dash, and we got an opening bell in two minutes. What do you got? You know, I speak to a lot of young people who are trying to get interested in the stock market. They tend to be fixated in stocks under ten or single-digit stocks. And my favorite one right now, by far, is Banco Santander, where in a routine. Spanish company delivered earnings per share of 13%, delivering on strategic goals, 9 million customers added in the past 12 months, double-digit growth in revenue, particularly strong revenue growth in our global business. This is rivaling J.P. Morgan, where she used to you've work. Been a, you've been a fan for some time, Look and by the stock. way, not a bad chart. And the decline there, by the way, was really, I felt, because there was a le- kind of a problem with Spain and a left-wing coalition. Well, if you look at the vote that we just had, it's a right-center coalition coming in. So you've got politics going her way. You've got cash dividend going her way. You've got strong growth. This is the $4 stock that younger people should get invested in. She's a terrific bank. Really one of the best in the world. In the world. And Scratch it, golfer, by the way. No kidding. Yeah, scratch golf. Um, I know. You've been, you've been enthusiastic about her leadership in the bank for quite some time. And again, well, look at that. 
I mean, look at people that. give That's you a hard breakout. time about your calls, but. Well, and David, I know that you I know how to, you know you know how to spot a reverse head and shoulders better than oh, anyone. Oh, I do. I and do. There you go. Younger people, Banco Santander is the stock for you. That's the largest bank in Europe. It is. Yeah. Well, Spain is also probably the best growth market because it's not I certainly would, not connected to the Germany. I'll go to Madrid any day of the week. That's all I'll tell you. I My love that city. Taught English there wow. and said it was the greatest place on earth. What a what a great place. Opening bell, you hear the applause. Uh, we'll give you a look at the real-time exchange back at HQ because it is going to show more red on the board, most likely when it's all done. About we never talked about two stocks. Hold on, hold on. What's I got to talk about my buddy Greg Maffei because he's doing the honors there at the NASDAQ, CEO of Atlanta Braves Holdings as well, Derek Schiller. And we're going to talk to them in a few minutes, talk to them about the split off of uh, the Braves, and then I'm going to talk to Maffei as well separately we like, about we a lot of other that things. Stock. We recommended the stock, the Braves stock. We did a piece on it because we like it so much. Really? Yeah, Ben Stoto, who is a research director. Uh, part of our Mad Money Plus campaign that we're starting to have about memos that we think people would pay for. David, we're not we're forgetting the two irrelevant stocks. Two stocks went into irrelevancy last night. Okay. And they did me. it during their conference calls. One because they seem to be in a dream world, that's Snap. And the other because they seem to have had it with the analysts, that's Texas Instruments. So you read these and you just say, you know what? I'm not gonna spend as much time on these as I normally would, because frankly, uh, the delusional snap was was quite uh, it was uh, well, unorthodox. All right, you mention it and you say they're irrelevant, but you got to give me more here. Uh, well, because they. By the way, monetizing messaging is just not that easy. No, I guess. and what's happened is, is that look, you can't compete that's with the big boys. This is the big boys, David. The the linear TV people can't they can't compete with Google. They just right. can't. You want to? I mean, look at Hershey. Hershey's ROI with Google was so big that any consumer packaged goods company that doesn't use it. By the way, if you shorted Snap at the arrival of TikTok when I first mentioned it to you, one of the few things I've ever told you that you didn't already know, I remember years ago, you would be in a good place. Here's the way the Snap having been short Snap throughout that period. You just said everything's great, right? You just said everything's great, but isn't it terrible? Every single call was that. Texas Instruments was basically, hey guys, are you guys just irrelevant? And then the, Mark, the uh, CEO just saying, who the hell cares what you have to say? You don't know anything. So that was kind of like, wow, let's right. just Texas let's just cease and desist. That's $160 billion market value. No, but they don't want It's not irrelevant. No, no, the calls are relevant. The companies oh. are not irrelevant. Okay. The calls are relevant because Texas Instruments has no patience with what they regard as being analysts who are suboptimal. Well, the stock them. is down over 5%. Jim. Well, the only the only end that was any good was auto, and then some personal electronics were good, which jobs with Amy Good said about personal electronics. I do believe there's a bottom in PCs, but the tax instruments was deeply disappointing because they basically said, look, we have there, there's this inventory problem everywhere, so stop bothering us. It's not bothering us. They're, they are building some plants. But I like to get on that conference call and, well, and, 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 because I think that there's a way to make that tone much better. Snap than shares, it is. Uh, as we saw, down 19% as well. Two of the larger losers obviously snap a lot more percentage wise. Although to, it's 52 week low is $7.33. Evan Spiegel is going to be speaking, I believe, to he is? Julia Borston. Tell my said hi. As well, later, uh, later this morning. Um, you do wonder whether maybe it's just time to. 
you can get a, somebody well, to bid you something for the company, course, sell it. Then you got you know, Lena Khan from the FTC saying you can't do that. Now, she allegedly is after Amazon. No, Amazon. Allegedly, there's a report in Politico that the FTC has Amazon in its sights for oh, trying please. to break it up. Please. By the way, I think shareholders, many shareholders, would say thank you, Lena, for well, creating okay. all that shareholder value. You don't want Jonathan Kanner, from the, the Assistant Attorney General from Justice, to go after Alphabet because the strongest part is search, which is what he wants to disable. You do want Lena Khan to win because right now we don't see the turn. The big thing with Amazon is are they going to guide the low single-digit growth in Amazon Web Services, and can you turn it around? Well, what did you take from the Azure quarter at Microsoft in terms of a tell for the AWS quarter, if any? Thing. I am going to say that there is beginning to be a cl- uh, too many decisions that have to be made before you go aggressive in the cloud. So, what does that mean? Well, I mean, you know, there's a long gated decision making uh, by companies. By companies. And I just snowflake flagged that to me. I think that if you go to the Oracle conference call, you realize, hey, maybe Oracle's making a difference. We know Google is making a difference, Google Cloud. But Amazon cleared a lot by just saying, you know what? We see a bottom in Q4 because generative AI is going to kick in for us. But right now, David, generative AI is something that is talked about, but we are not it's seeing... It's not clear the AI tailwinds are there as yet right. for AWS. They may be. And by the way, Microsoft and Azure did go, what, from 4,500 AI customers to 11,000, something and, and like it, that. And it's 100. I mean, the um, number of customers are signed. Now, let's see. The stock is down 12. What I want people to do, and this is what I'm recommending for club members, let all the sellers clear out. Plus, there'll be some sellers related to the Federal Reserve, and then pounds. It's what I call a long day. But Amy Hood Kibosh, the fa- fabulous CFO, and what she taketh away, the market will give it. On Amazon, again, this idea of breaking it up, which, again, it's not it, by the way, we can't confirm these reports from Politico or correct. It was a, like a law review article. Many people who know Lena Khan's history, of course, she did write that seminal piece about Amazon when she was at Yale Law School. Yeah. Uh, we had her on last week uh, talking about, of course, the new merger guidelines. But, Jim, again, there are, I know any number of Amazon shareholders who think that thing would be a rocket ship if they ever said, you know what, well, we're splitting Amazon Web Services off from retail, or maybe we're even splitting logistics, Amazon Web Services, and retail into three separate companies. Right, and we know that they have to start. There's great leverage that they can cut costs a little bit on on Amazon Prime. They've really not emphasized that. But David, yeah, because Amazon Web Services, if you had any sort of delta backup, is worth not the price of the company, but worth a great deal. So Lena Khan really on the side of the bulls, Jonathan Cannon <laughs> on the side of the bears. Let's keep track that the government is very much involved with both companies. Yeah, it still comes up a lot. Um, all right, we got plenty of other uh, things to get to this morning. You know, AT&T, was it Verizon? Which one did you say was irrelevant recently? Well, no, I just think that what you're, if you're just going to try to manage everything for your cash flow to be able to pay on your dividend, I mean, well, I think listen, AT&T was all about AT&T cost cuts. Did re- they, they hit the $6 billion in cost cuts earlier than they said, achieved $6 billion plus run rate cost savings target six right. months ahead of schedule. It's a strategy. They did put up a free cash flow number. Remember, last quarter, they put up a, a, a free cash flow number that was far off far below what had been anticipated, right. making it seem unlikely they would make the year target. This but quarter, $4.2 billion gets them back on track, Jim. But where does it but get to? But the stock is not What's not the responding. strategy? Now, I think, David, yesterday the Verizon call, which actually was good because, as you said, they put through a price increase. The analysts seem more focused on lead and copper wire. They put, uh, they put through a price increase on fixed fixed wireless, too. That's what I was talking about. Yes, that about was very Verizon. important. But... but um, Stanky, uh, the CEO of AT&T, is talking about a softer 
uh, fiber being, uh, you know, because they're deploying a lot of overbuilding and deploying a lot of fiber. Right. Um, saying that it's, you know, it's uh, going to be a bit softer in the market because Thank I don't you. expect we're going to see housing movement necessarily recover. That's a key question, of course, for broadband as well. People, when people move, they tend to make decisions about right. broadband. Well, there are people who are um, calling for the heads of both companies uh, because they believe that this has been a kind of a tragic decline versus yeah. T-Mobile. Uh, I just think that if he can pay the dividend, Stan can pay the dividend, the stock will live another it day. It may be these comments, I'm not sure, that have turned the stock a bit. Take a listen to what Stanky had to say about, uh, about sort of fiber being a bit softer in the second quarter. I expect that things are probably going to continue to be a bit softer in the market because um, I, I don't expect that we're going to see housing movement necessarily recover. Uh, I don't. I think it's a artifact of mortgage rates and people's ability to make those discretionary moves. But look, I feel really comfortable about our ability to continue to add along the clip that we're adding right now. Right. So there's AT&T, and as you pointed out, of course, it may be this concern about lead wrap cables that just continues to be an overhang, even though they did give us a lot more detail last week, uh, made some changes in terms of fighting a lawsuit uh, in, in uh, Nevada, uh, and decided to keep some fiber in the ground there to see how it what happens the over time, or I should say the, the cables. Once you get your teeth into that story, the Wall Street Journal will be like the Reuters story in Cal from J&J. Dave, you know what may have been the best quarter last night, and I know Tell people me. don't talk about it? Tell Chubb. Me. Chubb. Chubb. Because they had a great, what's known as combined ratio. They didn't. They avoided the big catastrophes. The stock is up very big. Evan Greenberg knows how to write insurance better than anybody sure in this country. My God, my rates went up so much. Are you a Chubb? Well, no, not anymore. You switched? I had a switch. It was just ridiculous. I touched Chubb because they pay. That's I mean, what they always they, they pay. I know, but you can still go to some of these. There's a couple of others that are somewhat competitive now. You know, at least they, I mean, 20% increase on your premium every year is Because crazy. of my housing portfolio, you mentioned my insurance you is on the upper left-hand corner of You must deck. pay them. I can't even imagine. For your, <laughs> Certainly more for than your, my mortgage. For your 27 homes. Certainly more than my mortgage. That's a little exaggeration. Davis, speaking of exaggeration. That's a little exaggeration. How about the way that UPS stock initially went up on that on that deal? Yes. And then people see that maybe the Teamsters got the best of it. Although, it's a good thing for the U.S. economy that there is not going it, to it, be a UPS strike. You know, I'm so glad you mentioned that because that was very important for the U.S. I do want to know whether Ford is going to talk about whether there's a, more of an issue with with the UAW, then Carol Tomei talked about being an issue with, with Teamsters. Very yeah. important to watch that because, because when you look at the way GM traded, it started going down when Mary Barra, the CEO, glossed over the union issue. That's a big mistake. Sean Fain reminds me of the 1930s UAW, which we don't want. Dave, we also didn't mention what Charlie Sharp did at Wells Fargo. Okay. The, the CEO with the best capitalized bank has added a you know, $30 billion buyback. Now, people just basically say, you know what we should be focused on is Bank West. Oh, you mean that the, deal? The deal. What do yeah. you think? Of the, it's the a little deal. It's gonna, mean, well, but it was Centerbridge. I thought you would have followed that a little. Yeah, Warburg and Centerbridge. We're talking about Bank of California and Pac West. Yeah, they're I'm getting together. Bank West, I don't know. Um, too early. Which is helpful to both of them. And they brought in new capital, which perhaps is even more helpful. But remember, Overall, David, these were supposed to bring down with private equity stepping we know with it. private equity stepping up to buy shares of Bank of California, 21.8 million shares of common, 
at 1230, 10.8 million shares of a new class of non-voting common equivalent at 1230, and that includes Warburg. On this, Barnes as well, the center bridge stepping up. But yeah, you've got some consolidation. PacWest obviously responding positively. It's a stock for stock deal. Let me give you the terms actually. 0.6569 of a share of Bank of California for each share. And then one other that you always say, you always remind me, Jim, it is a $500 billion company, but don't talk about it, Visa. Yes, Visa. Held back by still not getting the cross-border traffic. I think that's to come. I do like MasterCard more than Visa, pointing that out, but there's a lot to like there. All right, and let's come back to the, the biggest of the big. Uh, Alphabet shares are up 5.7%. Microsoft is down 3.3%. Let them sell. You've got to let the people who don't know anything bolt from Microsoft, and then you come in. There are a size of people who don't know Amy Hood. Because I think it's Robin more Hood. interesting on Google, which has been kind of used as a source of funds due to worries about its AI strategy. Well, and that, does that change as a result of this quarter? I, I was very impressed with how... Uh, that YouTube, which is not involved with AI strategy, is doing very, very well, but the search had an acceleration. By the way, I would point out Alphabet's share price is now up more this year than is Microsoft's. Which is maybe just going into the Neither one too okay. shabby. Uh, no. One up 42%, the other up 46%. And we get notes year. every day, by the way, about Apple and how Apple may be doing so well. And those of us who watch Hijack know that it drops tonight for Amazon Web Services. Uh, I do think that, David, when I look at the the magnificent seven, so far so good. So far so good. Yeah, I mean, like. we, look, we need to see Amazon say we are bottoming at high single-digit growth for Amazon Web Services. If they go negative in Amazon Web Services, then you need Vinicon to step in. And anything, any takeaways at all uh, for for Meta from what we've seen from right, Alphabet Meta's up or six. I, I wish I, my chapter was every one of these, and I just wish. I mean, look, Meta up, well, now it's only at three. Coming in so hot into a quarter, I think that the uh, the spend is down dramatically. I think Instagram is doing very well. I think Reels might be the star of the show. But what you have to hope is that is that he doesn't talk about, that Zuckerberg doesn't talk about economic weakness. Remember when he gave you that forecast? Let, yeah, although it is still the year of efficiency. I like that. And people like that CFO at Meta who has been very focused on cost. And they're hoping the same for the new CFO, whoever takes Ruth Porat's place at Alphabet. And we don't know where that's going to be. No, we that don't. CFO, well, I'll tell you, it's a big job. Matt is really well run. And they, they moved first when it came to CapEx cut. They had, uh, they're draconian. All right, let's, uh, let's take a look at Meta after the bell today. Before we head to break, let's give you a quick look at the uh, bond market. Check out how treasuries are faring so far this morning. Uh, we got a Fed meeting, if you haven't heard, by the way. <laughs> Two o'clock is when we'll get the, the word on rates. 4.887 is where we stand right now in the two-year, and the 10-year is 3.883. We're back right now. All right, after the break, uh, we're going to have the CEOs of Liberty Media. That's Greg McFay, of course. You can see him there ringing the bell. And the Atlanta Braves uh, CEO as well. It's the first publicly traded team in Major League Baseball. And uh, as a longtime Mets fan, sadly, it is also a very good team. We'll talk to them. First, though, uh, let's check out the top gamers in the S&P. Led by Union Pacific. Yeah, we got a new CEO in there. New CEO, Lance Fritz, is stepping aside. He will be joining uh, us on the 11. I'll be uh, anchoring, but Morgan Brennan will be conducting that interview. Don't miss it. 11 a.m. Eastern. 
Lance Fritz. We're back in. The Atlanta Braves ringing the opening bell at the NASDAQ this morning, coming after the team completed its split off from Liberty Media last week. Liberty, of course, has owned it for quite some time. Joining me now first on CBC is Derek Schiller. He's president and CEO of the Atlanta Braves. And Greg Maffei, of course, is, oh, look at that. Thanks, guys. Liberty Media's CEO. Um, and Greg's going to stick around, and we're going to have a conversation about a lot of other things. Uh, but uh, I do want to start, Greg, with you now and then get to Derek in a minute. You know, what's the benefit to shareholders of having the Atlanta Braves split off from Liberty, so to speak, now being, uh, you know, an asset-backed security? Uh, why do it? Well, I think it gives shareholders an opportunity to feel like they're direct owners of the Braves with greater transparency, greater information flows, and a focus just on the performance of the team and our real estate opportunities at the battery. Uh, well, Derek, then, what do you think is going to move the stock price? You know, uh, I mean, you're a profitable team. And by the way, that's not insignificant in baseball. But that being said, you're not necessarily in a growth business. The asset value may be found only really through a sale. So how do you see the stock sort of moving here? What's it going to be based on wins and losses? Yeah, I, I'd give a little uh, perspective to that. First of all, we've been in existence for 150 years. And for the better part of 50 years, we've been inside of public companies, first with Turner Broadcasting and ultimately Liberty Media, and then became a tracking stock and now a full asset-backed equity. Um, in all those times, we're understanding more and more about what it takes to operate a business in, in the public sector. And, you know, we're, we're comfortable with it, is one way to say it. And I think the, the way in which our team, uh, both on the field as well as off the field, our organization is approaching this, is, is really try to do all the things that we do already really well and just keep doing them and keep doing them even better. You know, this is a team that is operated extremely strong. We have best-in-class uh, areas of our business all across uh, the various ways that we conduct our business. You know, we've yeah. built a, a terrific mixed-use development over two million square feet led by Mike Plant that is just doing unbelievable, uh, have almost everything leased out there. We're expanding upon that. So there's right. a lot of room for growth, but we can also you know, be proud of, of what we've accomplished already. I, I, yeah, listen, hey, nobody's going to take that away I from you. Can I add to... Uh, well, no, no, because I get to I ask the questions, Greg. No, I get to ask the questions. <laughs> All right? I was going to try Greg, and answer help with your question. Holy cow. How about the I always need help from you, Greg, always. Um, you know, but I, I don't understand. All right, growth is fine. You guys could win the World Series. You have an incredibly good team, sad, sad to say, as a longtime Mets fan. Uh, kudos to Terry McGurk for running yeah, this thing so well for all these team. years. But, Greg, I think many, many shareholders expect that, you're, that this ultimately is going to lead to a potential sale of the Braves to somebody who wants to pay an enormous amount of money for the team, some rich guy. Is that true? Well, I think we have created a, a path where that can happen, but that certainly we have no plan or intent. As to how we can make money, I think if you look what's gone on, uh, the financial results of the company have continued to improve, not only with increased fan attendance, not only with better monetization of those fans, but frankly also with the real estate development. So well short of imagining just a sale, I think you can look and say increasing profits driven by the operations on field, the operations of the real estate. Uh, I think it's telling that Bleacher Report reports that we have both 
the best team management in terms of business operations and the best management in terms of baseball operations. I think it's a real kudos to this management team. It is. It is. You see it on the field. Um, Derek, I do want to come back to you on the economics of the business overall. You know, I can understand how player salaries continue to rise significantly, for example, in the NBA and the NFL, given their TV contracts have gone up by multiples. Not so much for baseball. Um, you know, explain how you manage player salaries and expectations, given the revenues are not necessarily going to be increasing in terms of those contracts that you sign for the broadcast of your games. Well, obviously, you know, you sign a, a deal with your players, a collective bargaining agreement, and you operate under that. We're in the midst of, middle of, of operating under one of those CBAs. Um, a number of teams have spent more uh, during that period of time. Some teams have spent a lot less. And in our situation, we've tried to gradually improve our team with what we think to be very smart contracts where we can. We take younger, younger uh, players and we try to lock them up over a period of years. Um, that's one way that uh, we believe we can be effective and efficient inside of that type of economic system. You know, at the same time, I think, you know, the league at, at, at points in time will continue to look at whether this is the best system for players and for teams. You know, I think one of the things that, that, that fans and investors are going to get a snapshot of here is you're going to get a team that's operated extremely well. Yeah. And so it may not be a reflection of, you know, what all 30 teams are doing. It's just what's happening with just this one team. And as Greg said, you know, we've got a terrific management team in place led by Terry McGurk. We're doing exceptional work here. So we're focused on that. We're focused on trying to drive yep. revenues and make them the best that they can be. Uh, well, certainly on the field, they are right there uh, as one of the best, if not the best. Uh, guys, uh, appreciate it. Derek, thank you. Greg, I know you're sticking around. We're going to talk serious. We'll talk Formula One and Charter. But uh, that's our conversation on the Atlanta Braves. Jim, let me turn People to you quickly. People understand that Greg Maffei has been at the center of, of almost all the great communications, along with Malone. We talked about CFOs. Him. Remember, he was CFO of Microsoft. No, I, I mean, remember. It was a no, long I, time I, ago. I happen to respect, respect him for many, 30 years. Okay, so what do you got on tonight, tonight I've got Kroger. I think, remember, they're in the crosshairs of the FTC on trying to do this deal with Albertsons, but they've been very well run. There is a challenge from the clubs, both Walmart and Costco, that's really been putting some tremendous price disagreement between them. And then, David, probably the best opportunity is, is Brian Nichols. Chipotle. The stock is up 50%, but he's crushing. And I just find him to be so knowledgeable. Jack Hartung, CFO, so incredible. I can never wait for the call. It's fantastic. Right. Good job today. It's a except fat, okay, it, it's a fat peony tie. Good job, though. And David, great. it is worth the price of your apartment. Get your darn hands we're, off it. We're, we're back right after this. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. All opinions expressed by the Squawk on the Street participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information Squawk on the Street participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street disclaimer. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, 
packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 